0: Welcome to the podcast of Rogue Valley Christian Church. We hope to be a place that connects you to Jesus, encourages you to grow in your faith, and challenges you to serve the world. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. First and foremost, as we start making our way through this little passage, they believed in one another. That should put a smile on your face. Now, I'm not sure if they believed in you like you believe in them, but we know that they believed in one another. I can tell you're not very impressed by that. So let me see what we can do here and make it a little more impressive. It says, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. They were about two-thirds of a mile away from where they were going. When they had entered Presumably a house, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and Peter, and John, and James, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, a different Judas. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. First things, a couple of things to say: they believed in one another, and the one another that they believed in was more than just the guys. Okay, because as you're reading along in verse 14, it lists all the men, and then it says, "Oh, and the women were there, and the mother of Je- Mary, or the mother of Jesus, Mary, they were also there." This is a way of describing what was going on. Don't forget, women present in religious meetings or prayer meetings was unheard of during that day. So one of the things that we have to understand about what they believed about one another, they believed that everybody had a place. Okay, we're going to keep going here. They believed that everybody had a place. Other religious circles, if you will, during their day, whether it was Judaism or any other ism during their day, did not elevate those who had been marginalized and devalued like Jesus and Christianity. So the fact that the women who had, and it says the women It's descriptive of ladies who had followed Jesus for three and a half years during his earthly ministry, and most scholars and experts believe that not only did they follow Jesus, but they also, being wealthy women, financed the ministry. That's pretty important, wouldn't you say? They have a place at the table, so to speak. So when we read, they believed in one another, it's important for us to understand, they were together in one accord. In other words, they had a single-mindedness about what they were doing. They were together. And I know on one level, like, it's, yeah, 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 can we move to more exciting things? There's nothing more exciting than this. Think about it for a minute. We're talking about their lives, a bunch of ragtag individuals who some of which wouldn't even be in the same room with each other before Jesus, that is, they did not like each other, tax collectors and zealots did not get along. Are you with me? Tax collectors and zealots didn't get along, and tax collectors didn't hang out. Well, let me say it this way. Fishermen didn't hang out with tax collectors. Why do you think that was? (laughs) That wasn't even the punchline. Is because they probably owed them money. See, the picture that we're getting about the first, the faith of the first followers, they believed in one another. There was space in the room for each other men, women, different, strange, occupational, personality. They were all there. I don't know if you noticed it, but they listed the guys. And we read it, and we're like, yep. According to my theological expertise, that was the guys. Amen? However, there's something else going on. Each one of their names, like us, represents our identity. So when we read that Peter was there, Peter was there. Peter wasn't there acting like somebody not Peter. Peter was there acting like Peter. How do we know? Well, in a minute, he's gonna stand up and start talking because that's what Peter did, right? One of the things that we have to understand is their togetherness, their one anotherness, their one accordedness meant that not only was there a space for everybody, but everybody could come as they were, meaning this. It was okay if you didn't have your act totally together. I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert to the book of Acts. Most of the men here that are mentioned, right, did not have their act together, but they were still together. Does that make sense? Like I gotta tell you on one level, I think the church, the church, modern day church, I think we need to grow in this area. I don't know, even though we might say it, hey, there's room for everybody at this table. You can come as you are. We say that, but not everybody acts like that. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about church in general across the globe. It's not always like that. There's story after story after story within Christendom where people have gone to church desperate, hopeless, needing to find something to just get on another day. And they go in and nobody talks to them. They're made to feel like they didn't wear the right clothes, didn't read the right Bible, didn't cover up their arms enough. They're made to feel like they don't belong. That never happened to me, by the way. (laughs) We got to do a better job of this. We have to take some lessons from the first church. They were together. And notice that their togetherness, it wasn't just attendance. Are you with me? It wasn't just they went to church on Sunday. By the way, they didn't. (laughs) We're not even sure what day this was. Can you imagine the church getting together on who knows what day? Oh, my goodness. Although I will admit, out of some insecurity, we changed the 86th celebration from a Thursday to a Sunday because we knew a lot of people wouldn't come on a Thursday because not a normal church day. (laughs) You're welcome. So, wouldn't want to take up two of your days. My goodness. But they were together. And it wasn't just about attendance. Like, I'll tell you right now, you can come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But if you don't engage the people that God is creating a community with, you're not doing church. I thought somebody would argue with me or fight. Everybody's like, hmm, you might be right. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't just attend. Their one accord, the language it's used to describe their togetherness, gives you the sense that more than just attending, they were attentive. I love it. It means this. They were attentive on this plane and on this plane. They came together to hear from God. They came together for the glory of God. They came together because they recognized there was something more important than just whatever it is that they're doing, God. They came together because they recognized that there was more important things going on than just their circumstance. The God of the universe was working something out within them that would change the world around them forevermore. They came together for God. Are you with me? That got preachy because I said God. They were attentive to the movie of God in their midst. I know we can do a little bit better than that, right? I don't know about you, but there's a part of me, Dalton's like singing on the guitar. This is how I say Dalton sings on a guitar. <laughs> Dalton was singing on the guitar, right? And he went from like Waymaker to, what, what, what was it? Give me Jesus you guys see that? How many of you, when he was finishing Give Me Jesus, be first priority in my life and all of that? How many of you are like, Well, I don't see the words on the screen. What are we doing? But then there was others that was like, Oh yeah, we're going off script. Let's go. Right? And there's part of, like, yeah, play take first place in my life. And then he was wrapping up, and I found myself, thankfully, my microphone was turned off, but I found myself saying, Waymaker, and I just went to the next song again. I was like, let's just go. And I looked at him like, hey, we could keep going. But he didn't look at me because he was too busy playing, right? <laughs> There's a part of me that's like, we could be more attentive to the Lord. What's the Lord doing? What if God wants to be worshipped four songs instead of three to start the service? You know what I'm saying? They were attentive to this reality. And I think we should be too. Now, I'm not going to change every part of the service just on a whim But I am going to say, what if we were more attentive? Like we went to church and just as much as we like sitting where we sit or talking to those that we talk to, what if more than that, we were excited about hearing from God? And we were excited about sensing the Lord. And we were excited about giving God glory and honor as we sing and as we study his word. What if we were more attentive, right? Not only to the Lord, but their togetherness gives you a sense that they were also attentive to one another. People, if they were hurting, they knew. You know how they knew. Just so you know, I'm going to give you guys kind of a community 101 lesson. If you're hurting, if you're hurting, and you leave still hurting and frustrated because nobody cares, you have to ask yourself, did you tell anyone you know what i'm saying i've been in jerusalem and i've been around the jewish culture they are loud and boisterous you never i spent 21 days in country and which sounds really fancy doesn't it i was there for three weeks I spent 21 days in country and never had to guess as to how the Jewish people around me were feeling. You know why? Because they just said it, usually loud with passion. This is a great meal. And I was like, I guess it is. (laughs) That is my parking spot. So you say. (laughs) You know what I mean? what's happened in Western America, specifically within the the confines of our sacred spaces. Sacred is devoted to God. It doesn't mean silent and silly. I mean, it means, okay, here we are devoted to God. This should be a place. Now, don't yell like, I'm tired of this message. Don't do that. That's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is if you got something stirring and going on, this is the community. These are the people. That God's put around you, and it's probably miraculously on purpose so that you could be attentive to one another. So you could look at somebody and go, it's a tough day. How many people had somebody ask them, how's it going? Today, this morning, you walk in, how's it going? How many of you lied through your teeth? How's it going? It's great. I'm at church. It's supposed to be good. How many of you just dying to say, you know what? It's hard right now. And I barely got here. And I'm barely hanging on. Because if you knew, right, we don't do that because we assume nobody wants to know. But here's the deal. When it says that they were together and they were in one accord, there was a single-mindedness about their reality of being a community. They recognized they had to be attentive on this plane and on this plane. They had to pay attention to God and each other. Ladies and gentlemen of Rogue Valley Christian Church, let's do a really good job of both. Amen? Amen? Let's do a really good job of both. Amen? And just recognize here, recognize it's not just the staff's job to take care of those things. It's our privilege as a body, amen? It's our opportunity when we come together. They believed in one another. That is this, without a doubt, as they looked around the room, and they would have seen women. Who let them in as they... That's the way their culture tended to be. and Somebody with a good theological understanding would have looked and said, Jesus. And they would have looked and they would have seen women. Tax collectors would have seen fishermen. Fishermen would have seen tax collectors. They would have been sitting by each other, holding hands and praying together. They were together. This is something God does. This is something he did then and he still wants to do now. I think it's beautiful that not of us not all that we that we all don't look alike. I think it's beautiful that we all don't have the same name and we all don't wear the same clothes. If we all wore the same clothes it would be super weird. It would be hard to get your friends to come. You know what I mean? Oh, but you got to wear a uniform. That's a cult. So <laughs> I think it's fantastic that within this community, there's a multitude of diversity. There's different personalities, different perspectives, different abilities, different giftings. This is what the community is all about. And that togetherness is for each other's good and God's glory. They believed in one another. Moving on, though, they also, last part of verse 14, they also believed in prayer. It says, and all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. And it says they were doing so with women, which, by the way, was not okay in Jewish culture, but it was in the Christian church. Amen? Amen. It was in the new church that Jesus was establishing. It was absolutely okay. They were devoted to prayer, meaning this. They were devoted to holding out their hearts before God and doing their best to hear his. I know this. In my life, Prayer oftentimes becomes one of two things. It becomes underwhelming. Dear Lord, thank you for this food that I'm about to eat. Would you please bless it to the nourishment of my body, even though I'm sitting in McDonald's knowing that I'm asking God for miracles. <laughs> right? So. Maybe you're like, McDonald's, In-N-Out, Taco Bell, what you feel, Chick-A-Fil-A, doesn't matter that they're closed on Sundays, just because they're Christians doesn't mean it's better for you. Come on now. (laughs) Like sometimes our prayers, my prayers, just become like repetition. Or on the other hand, sometimes they become so complicated that I forget what I'm saying and lose my thought. Because I try to, you know feel like God's going to listen better if I use more four-syllable words, (laughs) right? I try to wow God with my mastery of the English language, which is funny because you all know that is not something I've mastered, the English language. See, prayer, I think, needs to be simplified on this level. What if we simplified it to this reality? What if we just simplified it to prayer is essentially me holding my heart out to God, And God revealing his to me in the confines of intimacy. What if we just held it out like that? What if when we say they were devoted to prayer and we just held it out like what that means, ladies and gentlemen, let's not complicate it. What it means is they poured their hearts out to God, believing that God was interested Never to say, listen, I don't have time. You bore me. I'm not interested. Go away from me and go play with your brother. Right? Like oh, sorry, moms. It's Mother's Day. You would never say that. They poured their heart out to God, believed that he wanted to hear, and then held out to hear his heart. Like, what if, what if we were devoted like that? What if we forgot? Forget. What if we just stopped worrying about what word in what rip, What do you know what I'm saying? What if we stopped worrying about what word in what order in what way with what volume? And when you, do you guys ever be around people? I've had my wife do it to me. She goes, "Listen, if you're going to talk to me, talk to me. Stop using your prayer voice." How dare you! I don't know what you're saying. I've also heard, don't preach at me. And I'm like, what are you saying? Amen? (laughs) Look at Ezekiel. Amen? Amen. And Ezekiel says, amen. And then we're like, we're winning. (laughs) What if prayer was really that simple? What if we recognize that the God of the universe desires a place of intimacy with you and I, where it's okay for you to hold your heart out to him? The hurts, the celebrations, The confusions, the frustrations, all of it. You just hold it out to him. And what if in that place of intimacy, he says, I'm okay with you because of my son. Now, here's what I have for you. This is what they were devoted to. I'm grateful that within the church here at RVCC, there are plenty of people who are passionate about praying. I'm grateful that there are people that on a regular basis spend time in prayer on behalf of the church. We should all rise to that space or aspire to that same spot. We got to be devoted to prayer, holding our heart out to God, hearing his for us in a place of intimate relationship. Intimate relationship. Don't forget, this was easier for them because when Jesus died on the cross, There was a veil between, there was this huge curtain, huge thick curtain that separated the holiest of place from the holy place. And they had lived their whole lives knowing that there was no way they could ever go to that place and be in God's presence. And yet when Christ died on the cross, that that curtain was torn in two. And every scholar I've ever read has the same opinion. It was as if God was showing humanity, I want to be with you. I want to hear your heart and nothing is going to stand between us. Come to me whenever you want, however you want, wherever you want. Just come to me and let me hear your heart. And then sit with me so that you can hear mine. That's part of prayer I'm not good at, by the way. I'm really good at, Lord, please bless this McDonald's to my body. I'm not good at waiting for the answer like he could say, why don't you go home and eat a salad? (laughs) I'll admit I gotta get better at that. But that's what we're talking about. They were devoted to prayer. They also believed in the scriptures. Look at verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of the persons was about 120 in all. And he said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Now, what Peter understood, and this is really kind of important, it's a little technical, but I think you guys can handle it. What Peter understood is that according to the Psalms, verses Psalms 109, David prophesied that Judas would betray Jesus. And then in Psalm 69, verse 25, David also prophesied not only would Judas betray Jesus, but that Judas had to be replaced. So you might be thinking to yourself, why was this such a big deal? Why did they go through all of this stuff to replace Judas, right, at at this point in the ministry? And why is this written down? If we're talking about the story of the church, why are we taking so much time to talk about who's leading when? Well, we're doing that because the church believed in the Bible. They believed in the Bible. That is, they knew it, and they knew that it had to be done. So that whole passage where they're looking for somebody to replace, that all comes up because Peter stood up and says, you know what? I've read my Bible and this is what it says about this moment. And this is how we're supposed to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, the church, we need to get not we specific because we just try to teach the Bible and we try to keep it simple that way. But the church big, we just need to get back to the Bible. Is everybody okay with that? Now, I know that it's tempting to say other things. Anybody else go through the last two to three years in America? There were lots of opinions about everything that was going on all around it. Are you with me? Or did you guys not hear any of those? There was lots of opinions about everything. And furthermore, there were lots of well-meaning pastors and churches talking about all of those things. And I know, even furthermore, there were people here that were a little frustrated because you're not talking about these things. All you're talking about is the Bible. (laughs) That's on purpose. Again, just so you know, I got called, like, somebody called me a coward. You're afraid to talk about all these things. And I would say this if you know me, yeah, I could be a fraidy cat, but I'm not a coward. Does that make sense? You see how you can be both? Like, I don't want to get punched in the face, but I'm going to say what I think. Amen? Amen. I think in today's day and age, it's courageous to stand up and teach the Bible. I'm not saying that I'm courageous. I'm just saying that we should go to churches that teach the Bible. The Bible is going to actually give us insight, instruction, instruction, revelation as to how we make it through any moment that we're going through. The Bible is going to actually give us what we need. We don't need another lecture on how bad this is or how bad that is or what do we do about this and what about when that and so on and so forth. We can do workshops and talk about all of those things. In fact, in July, we are planning a four-week Wednesday night workshop. Four Wednesdays in a row, we're going to come together and we're going to talk about what does the Bible have to say about some of these cultural issues. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be good. We might even argue a little (laughs) in Jesus' name together in one accord, right? But they believed in the Bible, and so should we. We're going to teach the Bible. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to walk through the Bible. And we're going to trust that though it was written thousands of years ago by many different authors and so on and so forth, we're still going to trust That God is alive and well and uses it to help us in our life on this level, not just this one. They believed in the Bible. Finally, verse 21. So one of the men, they're going to try to replace Judas. So one of the men who is accompanying us during all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John till the day that he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So they're deciding, okay, who are we going to use? Who is it that's gonna replace Judas? Who's gonna do it? And they recognize, well, it's gotta be somebody who's faithful. It can't just be any old warm body. That is to say they believed in faithfulness. They believed in faithfulness. They recognized it. They said, listen, they had, whoever it is, has had to go through what we've gone through. They had to be with Jesus from the onset of his ministry all the way through those three years to the point of the cross. And though we all scattered, they had to come back together and witness the resurrection. It's got to be somebody who has been faithful Because if you look at the timeline that they put out, not me, but that they put out, it's got to be somebody who has gone through all of these moments. It required faithfulness, and they believed in that. It can't just be any old person. It's got to be somebody who's proven to be faithful to the Lord, no matter what went on with the Lord. And that wasn't everybody. And so they recognize faithfulness. I believe this In order to be faithful like they were faithful, it requires courage. It requires that his people are brave. Why? Because their faithfulness was not popular. Let's not forget, we read back in the story and we recognize, oh, they're gathered together in an upper room. That's what Jesus' people did when everything was super spiritual and everything was really like kumbaya, my Lord, right? That's not what it was. They were gathered together in an upper room out of safety, they could not gather out in the streets because the same people who did away with Jesus wanted to do away with his followers. So they were up in this upper room, afraid, overwhelmed, but they were still there. And we're going to see, just so you know, we're going to see that God makes them brave. Which, by the way, is the point in this all. Because we could talk about they believed in one another We could talk about they believed in prayer, and they believed in the Bible, and they believed in faithfulness, but you know what they really believed in that brought all of these things about? They believed in God. They believed that God, though they were different, could not only bring them, but keep them together. Amen? They believed that God was a God of community, that his desire for his people was that they would be together with him. Not just individuals, but they would be a community. They believed that God could make people friends who weren't friendly. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, take a moment, look around the church. Some of you are like, oh, do really? Do we? Yeah. From my vantage point, maybe not yours, but from my vantage point, there are people in this room who probably wouldn't hang out with other people in this room if it weren't for church. And it's not because they're mean, it's because maybe their paths wouldn't cross. You know what I mean? But guess what? Your paths cross here. Be attentive to one another. They believed that God was bringing them together for a purpose. They believed that they were stronger together. And, oh man, I, oh, I just I just love it. In Ecclesiastes, you know the book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon. Solomon recognized by everybody as the smartest guy who had ever lived, like up until that point where he married a hundred women or a thousand, or had a bunch of girlfriends on top of that. But before that, Solomon wrote some pretty smart stuff. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, he says, Two are better than one. And then he goes on to say, because they they, they're not alone because they have help, because they can be warm, because they can watch each other's back, all of that. This is the gift that God has given us. It's not just, hey, we need to be better at this. It is recognizing this is who and how God is. So they believed that God values community. They believed that God was a God of intimacy, That so they would pray with him. They would talk to him. They actually, they're commitment to prayer was actually a statement of what they believed about God. That they believed that he had time to hear from them. That he was willing to spend time with them. That he wouldn't be impatient with them. He wouldn't be bored with them. He wouldn't not have time for them, right? They believed that God was, for lack of a better term, you're going to love it, that God was into them. You know what I'm saying? You guys date? You guys remember dating? You guys remember junior high? How many of you remember junior high? I'm just going off the rails. Junior high. You guys remember it? Junior high. How many of you in junior high love the moment when somebody in the midst of rushing from one class to the next handed you a note? And it wasn't just a note, like it was a folded up note, (laughs) right? Like there was meaning inside what the note, the, the foldedness of the note communicated there was something important in there and you unfold the note one triangle at a time. Right? Risking being late to class, but who cares? Love covers a multitude of sins. (laughs) And in the note, you open it up, and what you read is, hey, because we're junior hires, and our vocabulary is not very developed. Hey, will you go with me? (laughs) Yes, no, maybe. Maybe. Now, you had some work to do. You had to check one of those boxes, fold that sucker back up, get it to the person to get it back to him. But what that note communicated was that whoever sent the note was into you. And there was some sort of fancy within your life that got tickled. Uh, We probably shouldn't say that at church. But there was something within you that was, I remember, like the first time I was like four foot one in eighth grade. I got one of those notes. I walked out six nine. I got a note. Somebody's into me. This is what they believed about prayer. They got a note. He's a loving God who gives us instruction on how to live and insights on how to live, not because he wants to control us, but because he loves us. And he's a God that can bring about faithfulness in and through everyone. Why? He can make people who were cowards brave again. He did it with Moses. He did it with Gideon. He did it with Joshua. He does it with David. He does it with everybody. This is what God does. He makes people brave. Brave enough, courageous enough to remain faithful when it feels like everyone else is faithless. This is what God does. See, the passage is really more about him than it is us. Thank you for listening. For more information about Rogue Valley Christian Church, please visit our website at www.rvchristian.com.